It's time now for Illinois Innovators, spotlighting the leaders in research, technology, and entrepreneurship from the engineering at Illinois community. Welcome to another edition of Illinois Innovators. I'm your host, Mike Kuhn. Today's guest is Aries Lumos. He's the CEO of Lumos. He co-founded the startup while completing a degree in nuclear plasma and radiological engineering at the University of Illinois. Lumos' mission is to create safe, renewable, and passive systems that safely store, cool, and efficiently generate electricity from spent nuclear fuel. Aries is also part of an organization called Generation Atomic, which promotes nuclear energy for the environment. Welcome to the program. Hey, thank you for having me. So let's just talk about nuclear uh, energy to start with. Okay. Um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about nuclear energy, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in the 21st century. So uh, I'll let you kind of talk a little bit about yeah. where we are as far as nuclear energy is concerned. Okay. Um, so people have a little um, bit of a misconception about nuclear power um, generally. I think in Illinois, we kind of have a, a different mindset about it. We have probably one of the most progressive energy policies um, in the in the nation. We have about 48% of our electricity comes from uh, renewable, not renewable, but not just renewable, but all carbon-free sources, including nuclear power. Um, people don't really know how much uh, energy and how much carbon they're saving by using nuclear energy. Um, and... Due to, due to the, the fast um, and, and high amounts of carbon reduction standards the U.S. is mandating right now, we need carbon-free energy sources. And one of the most plethoric is nuclear energy. You know, maybe uh, maybe uh, 50 or 100 years down the line, we can switch over to 100% renewables. But um, right now, it doesn't seem like that's going to be happening because... You know, we don't have resources everywhere. And the sun isn't shining in Chicago, you know, um, you know, every day of the year. So uh, in order for us to to get energy without hurting the environment, and then we would need to, you know, move a massive number of people um, to either a, either like an area like Arizona, where there is a high uh, amount of uh, of solar resource um, or or windy. You know, but the thing is, is that even at night, you'd still have to deal with um, the issue of of not having any power coming on. So it's like, how can we reduce our carbon in any way? Is pretty much what what we're trying to do. Um, and in Illinois, um, just this past December, we we were lobbying to help uh, pass the uh, Future Energy Jobs Bill in Illinois, uh, which was going to possibly um, shut down two nuclear power plants, Clinton nuclear power plant and Quad Cities nuclear power plant. Um, and there was a, a large effort of keeping um, keeping these plants open because we would be probably replacing it with um, with natural gas or, or coal. Um, and and right now, because of, of the bill that we passed, coal is completely economically unviable. Two sh- coal plants are going to be shutting down. We're reducing our carbon, um, and we're also supplying through the energy bill more uh, money into energy efficiency, um, as well as uh, as well as I, I believe around it's more than ten million in renewables for sure. 
Um, there's a lot of money going into renewable energy in Illinois, as like both rooftop solar and commercial, uh, you know, renewable plants. Uh, when you say we, who is who was the Illinois? We? Okay, Illinois. I, I'm talking about in the, in the lobby efforts to try to get the bill passed. Oh, um, so I uh, last year I was also part of uh, the American Nuclear Society student section, um, and you know. As I was a, I was president of it, and I kind of have a big network of, of students here. So um, we went and we uh, went down and you know talked to like the Illinois People's Action Network, um, talked to students for environmental concerns, um, and talked to them about this energy bill and why it needed to be passed. Uh, it was it was a, a bill that would work out pretty much for everybody who's you know interested like the environmental defense fund um the natural Refor resource defense council and even the sierra club were in favor of this bill um because of the amount of carbon reduction that they're they're putting into the into you know just the planet um and that was pretty it was pretty much just me and a couple other people uh mostly me though <laughs> i'd say about like uh four other members um, we're consistently working. Uh, my outreach chair, Alyssa Hayes, was um, a big help in that. She was really passionate about it as well. Um, and just a lot of uh, collaboration with people, not even just in Illinois, but all around the country who, you know, are really invested in, in this, like either talking to us or, you know, pretty much everyone who's involved. Um, so just a couple, a couple of us together. So what are some of the misconceptions that people have about nuclear uh, when, it, when, when it relates to nuclear energy uh, do they feel like it's a it's it's an energy of the past um, you know what, what are some of the, the things that you feel like you're up against in trying to defend nuclear energy um, yeah a lot of people think that way um, a lot of people are trying to go towards natural gas which is a giant boom right now uh, in the United States and uh, oh, sorry um, which is a giant boom in the United States right now but uh, or to renewables, and they don't really think that there's another option. But, but, but what people don't know is that we can't run on 100% renewables right now. It's not happening. And like, um, as a result, um, this is this is from the uh, the National Renewable Energy Research Lab in the U.S. Um, and so they are saying that you know the amount of carbon that is produced per kilowatt hour for you know renewable resources. It's uh, eight grams of carbon per kilowatt hour for wind, 37 for, um, for solar, uh, and nuclear is at 13. So, you know, and then natural gas is at 473, which is a lot, but it's still a third of the amount that you're getting out of coal. So people are looking towards, um, you know, all, all sorts of options right now, but people don't think of nuclear as an option. They think they're of waste and they think of... Um, horrible you know accidents like chernobyl and uh you know superheroes and mutants <laughs> um uh and they don't really think about uh how much how important it is right now for us to keep plants alive it, it produces about 20 percent of the total energy in the united states but you know people just have this negative connotation but what about efficiency how, how efficiency in terms of cost mm -hmm. and, and that sort of thing um, in terms of costs, in Illinois, uh, they're they're doing amazing. Um, they're they're very very highly competitive. In some other states, like um, you know maybe Pennsylvania or Ohio, they're becoming um, less economic because 
people aren't people don't want uh, the carbon en- free energy or like in Pennsylvania they're about to have a huge boom in natural gas so they're not thinking of keeping these plants economically mm-hmm. viable at all right now because not only are they getting um, fracking they're getting uh, the plants and then they're getting there's also like plastics that can be made from materials that come from natural gas so they're expecting this huge boom um, but in Illinois they're very economically viable um, and that's because people actually value carbon-free electricity here. We have about um, 11 uh, reactors here in uh, Illinois, which provide about 48% of our energy. Um, and uh, yeah, here it's really re- great. Not everywhere, though. It's not always the case. Let's talk a little bit about your uh, startup, Lumos. Hmm. Uh, you know, first off... Oh, that's um, good. Illinois has, has been a good place for, for startups, particularly uh, as undergraduates. Just talk mm-hmm. about how it developed and uh, what, uh, what problem you're looking to solve uh, with your technology. Um, so I, I came here, I transferred in um, as a junior, and I was really amazed at all of, uh, all of the people who really care about their job here. Um, it, was, it was the help of my advisor, uh, Claire Sullivan, um, and also I was part of something called the uh, Nuclear Innovation Bootcamp, which was over at Berkeley. And because of uh, the American Nuclear Society, which is this organization that we're heavily involved with at Illinois, um, uh, we were, were always able to go out to conferences and, you know, um, meet other schools who are doing stuff in nuclear. Uh, and so, yeah, the startup, what do, what do we do? We are involved in nuclear waste management. So actually, about like three years ago, um, I went on a trip to Sweden um, with the University of Illinois on a study abroad at KTH um, University in Sweden. And uh, which, which the university has a, has a partnership. Yeah, yeah, we have a partnership with them. Um, and about, I think, like four or five other schools from China and, um, and Poland and Italy. And we went to Sweden uh, all together on this trip. Uh, to look at the Swedish Nuclear Waste Management Company, or, or the SKB. Um, and they have the most advanced nuclear waste management program in the world. They have, like, a uh, giant tunnel at Esper Hard Rock Laboratory, which goes 500 meters before below the center of uh, the surface of the Earth, which is, like, uh, the Sears Tower is 442 meters, to give you kind of an idea of um, how deep down we went. And that's where they are planning on storing waste. Well, not at Esper Hard Rock Lab, but uh, that's a research lab, two stores somewhere else. Um, So I just kind of thought, why aren't we doing this in the United States? In 1998, um, that's when the U.S. was mandated by their own legislation to make sure there was a a place to store um, nuclear waste based on the Nuclear Waste Policy Act. So uh, it's now 2017. We aren't all of the nuclear waste in the United States is... um, stored pretty much on site where uh, where they were created by nuclear reactors. So here at Lake Michigan, um, uh, we have Zion Nuclear Power Plant. It's right on the lake. Uh, and that power plant has been shut down for um, more than five years now, maybe seven or eight. But the waste is still all there, and they're not even generating any electricity because it doesn't have anywhere to go. We were trying to store it in Nevada at uh, Yucca Mountain where the testing sites were done. But the state of Nevada has been vehement about not having it there. Um, 
So pretty much it's just scattered throughout everywhere. And it's it's a security concern, but it's also expensive for the nuclear uh, operators because they have to pay um, for a reactor to stay up and they can't decommission it properly until they move all the waste out. Right. Um, so you're still paying for it even though it's not creating any energy. You exactly. Have take, you have to take care of the waste. So, yeah. So you have come up with an option of making it basically recyclable. Yes, exactly. Uh, they, take, they take the waste and instead of it sitting there, it actually can itself create electricity. Create. Okay. Yeah. So, so I'll let you explain that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry I took so long to <laughs> gather up to that. Um, so when I was at Sweden, I was, I was seeing this giant uh, pipe uh, putting in water from the Baltic Sea and they were just letting all this heat out. And I was like, well, there's this much heat and they're spending a lot of money on maintaining this temperature down to cooling levels. Uh, why can't we get energy out of it? Um, so for my senior design project here at Illinois, uh, nuclear plasma radiological engineering or NPRE, um, they let you have pretty much free reign on whatever you want to do. So uh, I decided um, to find a way of getting energy out of spent nuclear fuel. And it's not a new concept. Um, you know, there are a lot of different people who have thought of doing this before. Um, but the way that, th the way that um, they want to do it probably made it very difficult um, for them to be able to get energy out of it while having to deal with a high amount of regulations. Um, but right now, uh, in the U.S., most nuclear waste is stored either in these things called spent fuel pools for the first five years. And then after five years, they get cool enough where you can keep them in these dry casks, where air just kind of comes in from the bottom of the canister at room temperature or 25C, and it comes out at 80C at the top, hotter. Um, so for the most part, they just produce a bunch of hot air, right? Um, so I thought, how can I get energy out of hot air? Right. And so then, right now, hot air is just escaping, and we're not taking advantage. Yeah, of it. exactly. Um, so um, we—it's kind of a hybrid nuclear renewable system that uh, spins wind turbines uh, off of the updraft that is coming from uh, these spent fuel casts, but also it uses—it um, uh, also uses uh, spent fuel. Sort. Oh, I think I have it right here. Here we go. Oh, it's not like. I don't know why it's not coming up. Kind of difficult to ex describe, but um, it's a solar, wind, and nuclear hybrid system, essentially. Um, and so we need to store nuclear waste, right? Um, it's not going away. People kind of want to, you know, not really have to deal with a problem that's starting to get bigger and bigger. Uh, and you could have just seen, actually, this week, uh, John Oliver, you know, you know, John Oliver, he did a segment on nuclear waste. Um, and how we haven't had anything to do. And he showed a newscast from the 1980s saying basically what his entire segment said. Um, almost word for word, except they had a couple different examples. We still haven't solved the problem. Yeah, we still haven't solved the problem. Um, so, and, and not that any, nobody wants nuclear waste in their backyard. Um, but, and John Oliver did a good job of, I think, scaring people into thinking that it's much more of an issue than it is. Because, you know, well, that was about 40 years ago, you know, um, but it's nobody's dying because of it right now. We don't have, there's, are, there are no like nuclear waste contaminations going on aside from maybe tritium, which is um, radioactive water, essentially. It's just uh, tritium has two extra neutrons on it. 
And after it has about a 12 year half-life and once it decays, it becomes helium. So it's not really anything that we should be really concerned about. Right. Um, like at uh, Fukushima, people were thinking, people were freaking out, I think about two or three weeks ago, that they were gonna dump water from Fukushima into the ocean. And yeah, nobody wants radioactive water going into the ocean, but what people don't realize is that uh, it's just gonna become helium. And I don't think that they should dump it in the ocean. They should probably just keep it until they get all the helium out of it, which is an incredibly like scarce resource right now. Um, you know, everybody's hearing about helium shortages, mm -hmm. but uh, people don't really understand what it, what it is. So they just think a bunch of green slime is gonna be going into the ocean when really it's just water. Just, um, it just has two extra neutrons on the hydrogen atoms. Um, so yeah, to sorry. get into uh, how your system works mm -hmm. and uh, you know, kind of where you are in terms of the research phase and, mm -hmm. and, and that sort of thing. So, um, so more on, on how it works? Yeah. Um, so it's based on um, a solar thermal updraft tower um, design um, in, in tandem with um, a storage facility for spent nuclear fuel. So a solar thermal updraft tower gets energy from hot air being heated by the sun. Um, and generally when people have wanted to make these, they'd have to make them about a kilometer high, so like twice the size of the Willis Tower. Um, which is just completely unviable. Uh, it would probably be knocked over just by the high winds. But what we can do is we can make these towers um, smaller because of the added heat uh, from the dry casks. Um, uh, and so, yeah, that's pretty much how it works. Okay. Um, if you guys are interested, we have, um, uh, if you want to look at our website, it's lumosindustries.com. Um, we have a pitch deck. Um, as well as um, some articles of people talking to about us, like Berkeley or um, or the University of Illinois Department of NPRE. Um, and uh, what was the second question? Well, I just say, um, where, where are you in, in oh, terms yeah. of the development? Um, who, who's, you know, what kind of interest ha uh, ha do you have, and, and uh, what's your next steps in terms of mm -hmm. advancement of, of the startup? Um, so the nuclear industry is uh, a difficult thing to break into. Now, people, um, people generally make designs, and what they'll do is they'll license them out. So right now we are working on more R&D for our okay. design. We have um, uh, patent pending right now on, on the actual design itself. Um, and for the next year, we're going to be here uh, at the University of Illinois with the iVenture Accelerator. Um, and we have about eight interns now that are getting like three credit hours of, of course, credit for working with us. Uh, and they'll be getting that for this fall and they'll be getting another three credit hours in the spring for working on it for the full year. Um, so we have masters and undergrad students, um, and we're still taking a couple more interviews this week, but yeah, right now this next year is all about R and D. And then hopefully what our plan is, is. Because of the research park and their, you know, um, entrepreneurial ecosystem, uh, they have really gotten us to be able to meet with people downtown in Chicago. Um, we are talking to a couple energy incubators um, up there about m moving down there after we're done here, um, which could happen anywhere between January and spring. Um, but yeah, right now we're just applying um, for patents. 
and doing uh, not pat applying for patents, applying for grants, and uh, and doing more R and D for this next year. We're hoping to um, have a have a, a design ready for the Nuclear Regulatory uh, Commission to review, um, and then work with a larger company like maybe Exelon or uh, or uh, Holtec, um, which is a subsidiary of them that they, they make dry casks. Um, and it's pretty much of, of interest to them. Uh, so that's where we're at right now. Um, just a lot, uh, a lot of waiting because, you know, the nuclear industry isn't like the most fast-paced field. <laughs> uh, we're not like uh, computer science or um, you know, mostly computer science. I mean, they, they can go from start to finish in the startup in maybe about a month or two months because there's no regulatory body um, for the Internet or for making apps or, or something like that. Right. Um, so it's an investment um, that, that we're trying to do. But the thing is, is that nobody's doing it. So uh, I think there's a lot of, of pride that goes into my work because I know that there aren't a lot of people who are concerned. It, or if they get involved in environmental like studies in general, they don't think about nuclear. They think about forests, or forests and, you know, and keeping them away from like oil. Not, people aren't really thinking about you know, nuclear waste management and how that works. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much where we're at right now. Well, makes for a good transition because I can certainly feel your passion for nuclear mm. in general, but mm -hmm. particularly nuclear energy. Mm -hmm. um, there's there's a, a shortage of people in your generation that are going into nuclear. So uh, just talk about what what the landscape is and uh, mm -hmm. what. Uh, you're helping do to, to help change that. Yeah, so um, I'm actually uh, I'm actually uh, an innovator with the uh, University of, of California Ber at Berkeley's uh, Nuclear Innovation Bootcamp, um, and I was in their first cohort ever um, because you know people don't really think of nuclear innovation um, together in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's such a, a highly regulated field um, in terms of like ventures, um, but there are, are people who are, are now just starting to get involved. But in um, now people doing startups, I'd say there's probably less than a hundred um, in the United States, maybe maybe two hundred, um, and most of these are working on designs as like uh, transatomic power. They're working on a molten salt reactor design, which is an advanced reactor concept. Um, and in in uh, the United States, we usually use one type of reactor, or well, there's two, but they're called light water reactors. They just use water and uranium. They don't think about using thorium. They don't think about uh, using molten salts, which make them much more efficient. Um, and they're also called fast breeder reactors. So some of these can actually run on spent nuclear fuel because Nuclear, I mean, we call it nuclear waste, but really it's uh, spent nuclear fuel or used nuclear fuel mm -hmm. because um, about only about 5% to 10% of the total energy in the fuel is actually utilized in traditional reactors. Mm -hmm. um, we don't really, you know, let other ones going on. But so uh, that's what Transatomic does. Bill Gates' company, uh, TerraPower, is also working on this concept, but they're not in the United States. They're in China because they don't want to deal with these massive regulations. Um, and then, uh, and yeah, so it's a, it's a small field, but people, uh, are, are really, really starting to invest in it now. Argonne National Lab, um, Lawrence Berkeley National Lab, 
our Oak Ridge National Lab all have um, accelerator programs for um, nuclear startups uh, like Chain Reactions Innovation um, and, uh, and Cyclotron Road. And they really want to see this initiative going forward, as well as uh, the Gateway for Accelerated Innovation in Nuclear, which is a new government grant that's being given to some of the bigger startups in nuclear right now, um, so that they can utilize, um, you know, high fidelity computers or or research at a national lab. So, if you want to do, everything I do as a, in my startup is computational. So we kind of simulate things happening. But some people who are making new types of reactors need actual fuel and all of this stuff. Right. Um, so they need to utilize national lab resources. And that's um, something that's just coming up this year um, or this in this past couple of years. So um, our energy secretary is really interested in uh, nuclear energy. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of fossil fuels as well. Um, uh, but that's pretty much, uh, you know, how how people feel about nuclear in in terms of uh, venture right now. Like it's kind of an investment, you know. It's not an easy thing to break into. Uh, so, but there is definitely a lot of in initiative right now in the United States to see this stuff moving forward. But yeah. So you you have people that are interested. It's a <clears throat> it becomes a cost and and a regulation are kind of two of the roadblocks. In terms mm -hmm. of breaking Costs and regulation, but, you know, uh, and that's what people think about, at least with energy. So I guess some other startups that you can think of is, um, like, my friend Dane Duet. He has a startup that he's doing um, at Berkeley. And what they do is that they put um, radionuclides or small tracer, basically, amounts of them that aren't enough to harm you, but are enough to show up on a detector. Um, so if somebody tries to smuggle something, for example, and it has this tag on it and it goes through the airport, you know, detectors will go off because they know somebody's trying to smuggle something illegal. So this is done um, with, um, this is a concept that they're working on in order for, to, to stop poaching. So if somebody, you know, tries to take a rhino horn, which people are, are think that it's going to cure them of some, you know, of something, um, there's a big market for that. But this is like an anti-smuggling device. There's also, you know, radiotherapy for cancer um, and, and a bunch of other applications, really. So tell me about Generation Atomic, because that kind of fits in with what we're talking about in terms of, of education. Mm -hmm. So uh, at Generation Atomic, um, I'm just on the board of directors. Um, I kind of, you know... Uh, agree with what they do, kind of, you know, make sure that what they're doing is um, with our mission, you know, and not going against our, you know, environmental, um, you know, mission, which is the whole reason why we started it in the first place. Um, and basically what uh, we do over there, or what my, our awesome interns do over there is uh, they go door to door talking to people um, about nuclear energy. They use our app, um, you know, we have uh, an app in the App Store for Android and um, uh, and apps and the Apple uh, called Atomic Action, and it basically lets you contact your local legislators, even if you want to bother them about something else. Um, and it basically gives you a lot of um, information and uh, and pro nuclear content to be able to view, um, but. Basically, what uh, we do is we create a, an easy way for volunteers to 
um, to talk to a community if they're thinking about shutting down a nuclear reactor, why it's important that we keep um, nuclear reactors open right now in order to, to reduce the amount of, of carbon that we're producing. Um, and that's pretty much our main mission. There are other um, you know, pro-nuclear groups, but we're just really interested in, at, at it from an environmental perspective. And we've talked all this time about nuclear energy, but nuclear is far more than just energy. And so mm -hmm. that is part of your education process mm -hmm. to, to people, you know, talk about some of the other applications that nobody's talking about mm -hmm. when it comes to just nuclear, um, you know, mm -hmm. what are some of the other applications? Um, so, you know, there's a lot of monitoring. Um, a lot of the research I do uh, in my, I, a lot of the research I did in undergrad was with the radiation detection and isotope identification lab. Um, so we make, uh, we make basically applications um, so that people can detect um, radionuclides better. So it's like a detector that Bluetooths your phone and there's an app that, you know, sends data so that we can track the amount of radiation um, in either uh, in one area or pretty much everywhere. So we just kind of have a, a large map. What I did there was I did virtual reality um, research to make high fidelity maps, so essentially so that you could see radiation. I kind of like to call it Pokemon Go, um, <laughs> but for radiation, uh, to kind of see how the levels are varying around, around you. Um, now we have a, a 3D model of the engineering quad um, everywhere from about Green Street to Springfield and from right to Lumen or right to Goodwin. Um, and, you know, we can go, you can go from an area like by a church that shows you that uh, radiation levels go up because when you're near granite, there's a higher levels of thorium and uranium. Right. Um, or if you go over to... Um, uh, the Nuclear en Engineering um, Lab, or CPMI, C uh, Center for Plasma in Material Interactions, they have a giant source there that we also use to kind of demonstrate that levels are spiking. Um, but there's also like plasma and fusion research. Um, in our department, we I took plasma and fusion sciences. Uh, and other fields that are going on are like plasma medicine, which is a new thing, kind of... Um, it kind of works like an antibiotic, mm -hmm. um, and basically how it um, how the the plasmas are electrically charged can affect um, bacteria and break apart their cell walls, uh, but it doesn't do that to humans. So it's kind of like a um, antibacterial or antibiotic. Um, some other applications are like I said before, anti poaching. Um, and uh, anti-smuggling devices. People are also using it for um, logging. If people are deforesting something, if there's a little tiny tracer, then they know that that tree cannot be shut da cut down. Um, and a lot of people will cut down forests and then sell the lumber without really you know, going through any kind of regulation. Um, what else? Uh, God, I feel like there's so much. Um, and it's kind of blanking on me right now. <laughs> that gives us a, a little flavor, and, mm -hmm. and I guess the point is that, uh, as we talked about before the program, mm -hmm. that when people think nuclear, they think energy and weapons, Yeah. Um, and that is, there's much more to nuclear than, than those two, but that seems to be what mm -hmm. the perception is when, when, when people talk about nuclear. Yeah, and, and that's like pretty much how it, it seems it's going to continue to be. 
Because when people think nuclear, they think of the two accidents that happened, or the big ones, um, at Fukushima and at Chernobyl. Um, and, you know, if you Google Fukushima, the first images that you're going to see is, like, fires and, like, um, uh, you know, explosions and all that stuff. But it was... Uh, just to give, if you just go, people, if you're listening to this, just Google um, search or uh, image search Fukushima, and you'll see all of these burning like um, uh, you know reactors or something like that, and blah blah blah. But nuclear reactors don't burn. I hope that people know because, and though most of the images that you see there are natural gas, but uh, that's all that people are putting up. So like I was at a, a conference and advanced uh, the advanced reactor. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, Advanced Reactor Summit at Argonne National Lab in February. And a guy who was speaking there, he put up one of those fake images of, of Fukushima, unknowingly. He's a, he doesn't believe in this, but like unknowingly himself as a nuclear engineer put up this fake image because that's what you know the media and the fossil fuel industry are interested in people continuing to see. You know, Because putting down renewables, you know, they're not 100% ready to be completely viable on their own right now. Right. Um, so being able to put down nuclear keeps them from having to worry about them as a competitor. So that's like where so much, uh, so much push is going on right now in uh, Illinois or in, in the U.S. in general. So like when with the future energy jobs bill in Illinois being passed, there was this. Um, uh, he'll probably hate me for saying this, but um, there's this guy. His name's Dave Lundy, and he was with the uh, Better Energy Solutions for Tomorrow Coalition, or the best coalition in here in Illinois. And their website was called NoExcelonBailout.com, um, and they have an image of Illinois uh, shake uh, of an image of a nuclear reactor shaking down the state of Illinois for its change, kind of like a cartoon. Um, and he says he's the president of this organization, but at the same time, it says um, uh, if you go to uh, Aileron Communications, they're a high stakes media uh, uh, like communications uh, co company, and he's the president of it. So really, it's just him making a website and saying he's part of this organization, but he's saying that he's with the he's being paid by Invenergy, um, a a company in. Um, Illinois, uh, to lobby on behalf of this. Um, maybe that shouldn't be in there. <laughs> maybe not in, in saying in Benergy, if that's all right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but natural gas and fossil fuel companies want to see the nuclear industry going down. Uh, you know, this guy, he's been quoted by the Chicago Tribune and the Sun-Times um, when they really didn't see that he had, he has a degree from Northwestern. You know, he doesn't, He's not a, an expert in this field. He's just communicating on behalf of a, a paid vendor. Um, and that, that's pretty much like what people want to continue to see. They had, they had a lot of people um, fooled, but you know, like that's just what, what people want to continue to see out of nuclear. And it's not just that. It's not just energy, and it's not, um, it's not something that people think is going to kill them. So like um, in, where is it? Like if we look at, uh, this is a study done by, uh, by The Lancet, which is a, a global and public health collection journal in the UK. Um, and now the amounts of energy, I mean, the amount of deaths that happen per terawatt hour of energy from uh, coal is about, you know, uh, 13,000 
that 513 people die per terawatt hour of, of coal. Um, now for nuclear, it's 0.22. Now people don't like the last big nuclear accident to happen was at Fukushima, but nobody died due to um, direct exposure to radiation. There was a tsunami and an earthquake. So 10,000 people died at, at Fukushima, but not because of right. the reactor. Um, but people, of course, put these things together when they think of, you know, giant nuclear accidents. Um, but about about 10,000 people die every day due to fossil fuels, according to the World Health Organization. Okay. But, um, but and that's more that die every day than have ever died in the history of nuclear power. So to kind of put it into perspective of, you know, how much people are terrified of it versus like how big of a concern it actually is. It's kind of like flying, right. you know, <laughs> people, you know, the, it's very unlikely and much, much less unlikely that you're going to die in a, um, a plane crash than in a car accident. Um, but people are so much more afraid of flying than they are of driving. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate uh, you coming on with us. Um, I think we could probably talk for another hour about yeah. uh, various topics, and we'd likely uh, maybe have you back to mm-hmm. expand on some of those things and certainly mm-hmm. some of the misconceptions people have about nuclear energy. And, uh, mm-hmm. and certainly best wishes on, on, on the on Lumos and, mm-hmm. and we look forward to what the R&D phase looks like over the next year and, mm-hmm. and come back and chat with us in the future. Okay. All right. Thank you for having me. That was uh, Aries Lumos. He's the CEO of Lumos uh, Industries. Uh, we appreciate uh, him coming in and, and talking to us about uh, nuclear energy. Uh, that is a, another edition of Illinois Innovators. I'm your host, Mike Kuhn. Illinois Innovators is a production of Engineering at Illinois. All rights reserved, we invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or SoundCloud by searching Engineering at Illinois. We hope you'll help grow our corps of listeners by leaving a favorable rating on iTunes.